0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this episode of She Squared Podcast, the podcast that gives voice to the written word of your favorite film slash pairings. I'm Natasha Lance. I am your host, and it is so ridiculously good to be back. Um, we weren't really planning on taking a hiatus, but so much happened in the world and in life, and things just kind of cascaded from there. Um, so we apologize. We've tried to stay very um, very on top of things on our Tumblr page and, and be promoting amazing fan work and ridiculously great fan art. I seriously cannot say enough about fandom. You guys are just absolutely amazing. Um, and we've been interacting with a lot of you there, answering questions, having episode reviews, things of that nature. And that's kind of leading into something that we're going to be doing tonight. We're going to be talking about Motherland Fort Salem tonight and all of our favorite pairings and all of the ins and outs and theories and what may be happening and just our reaction and Oh, my goodness, I, I can't I can't wait. I can't say it enough. One of the bad things that happened while we were gone is um so many of our favorite shows just got wrongfully canceled. And one of the things that I am excited to be back at this point in time for is because there are so many great initiatives going on to help save those shows. So you've got the Save Batwoman Initiative, the Save Legends of Tomorrow initiative. And you've got the Save Motherland Fort Salem initiative. And, you know, I mean, of the three of those, Motherland is actually the one I think that has the most hope because Elliot has already stated that the show is more than likely going to live on in some other form thanks to the fans because they are so fantastic and this fandom is so amazing. But, you know, be that it being picked up by another network or um, be that being in a comic book form or novel form, of some sort that the show, the story probably will continue to be told. So, you know, keep writing, keep keep going, keep making our voices heard. And on that note, one of the things that we really want to start doing here at She Squared over the next couple of episodes is we really want to start giving emphasis to these initiatives. Um, we want to give a voice to the people. And the fandom in particular, and why do these shows mean so much to you? Why should they be renewed? Why it was so wrong to cancel them in the first place? Um, what these characters mean to us? All of this, we, we want to hear it. We want to we promote it. We want to get these initiatives out there in as much as we can. And we don't want to be silent about it. We just want to keep it going. So we're already in talks with um, the Save Batwoman initiative, and we're going to try to get them onto the podcast and just kind of hear what they're doing and promote that and get it out there. We'd love to talk to artists who are creating amazing work who have been featured on billboards. Um, we would love to talk to fans. We'd love to just hear from you. So, you know, why why does legend speak to you? Why does Batwoman speak to you? Why does Motherland Fort Salem speak to you? What is it about these characters that you love? What is it about the representation that is so appealing? And I know for me, I know what that is, but I want to hear from you. So if you'd like, just drop us a snippet of, of what these things mean to you, what these shows represent for you and why they should be saved. Um, you could send it to our Tumblr page. You could find our email address there at the top of our Tumblr page. It is she squared podcast at outlook.com. Just drop us a file. Let us know. We'll put you on the air. Um, we really want to push these initiatives. We want to take a stand with the rest of fandom and say, you know, these shows are amazing and these are important stories that need to be told. So let's do it. I mean, it's making a difference. Let's let's keep pushing. Let's keep going. And and we really want to be in the trenches and, and giving a voice as much as we can. So we're going to be focusing on that over the next coming weeks. We're going to be reading some more um, fan fiction over the next coming weeks. We're going to be talking about some of the, the fan fiction that's being written for the show, um, for this show, not just any of those shows that we talked about, but, um, we're really excited. There's a lot of stuff in the works. So, so we're really, um, we're really looking forward to it. And with that being said, my friends, let us talk now about Motherland, Fort Salem. Okay. So, First of all, I just have to say how amazing this season has been. And I know I keep using the word amazing, but it's in a really great mood. And there's just a, a lot of amazing things in the world. So, um, yeah, going to keep saying it. So this season has been incredible. And so far, we've got three fantastic episodes. Uh, action-packed. You really kind of can't tell where they're going next. There's been some really cool new um, discoveries about kind of the, the canon world of, of Motherland Fort Salem. But of course, there's no other way to get around to saying this. Um, so I'm just going to say it. Everybody here at SheSquared just fucking fangirled the hell out when Alder came back. Let's all be real. It happened. We collectively, as a fandom, just kind of fell apart for a second. Um, I think there was just a collective scream into the void of happiness uh, when Alder showed back up on our screens there for like the last five seconds of, I think, episode one. But that, my friends, does not compare to the sounds of pure joy that happened with this latest episode, with episode three. Oh, um, we just kind of went batshit crazy here at She Squared. I'm not even going to lie. We watched that over and over and over again, and we have engaged with a lot of you on Tumblr about this and had some asks about it, and the episode was just absolutely phenomenal. So we're going to get into Talder. we're going to get into Alder's resurrection as more of a human figure, and what that looks like, and what that means, and where we kind of feel like that's going. But before that, let's talk about all of the other things that are going on in the episode so that we can kind of fangirl about Talder and, um and all of that. So... First and foremost, fuck yes, to Scylla's character development. Let's just scream that from the rooftops at the main beginning. I love the way that they have brought her full circle, that we saw her in the beginning as someone who could not be trusted, and we were kind of with Rail on this journey of not knowing whether she was a good guy or a bad guy or someone that we could actually see the character falling for and root for that love. But now I think we can... I think by removing Raelle from the equation, and I realized that it was because the actress was injured and they kind of had to ride around it, but I think removing her from the equation really gives the development to Scylla that is necessary for, I think for me at least, and I know some of us here, we love the two of them together, but it it didn't really have a lot of stakes if that makes sense i could be completely wrong to get a lot of hate mail over this maybe uh, maybe not hate mail nobody really sends us hate mail they kind of send us hey we disagree with you and here is the thousand reasons why we disagree with you and we get to have that conversation and i love that so i misspoke please keep doing that we love engagement we love engagement when someone's like hey you're wrong here's all the reasons you're wrong because that's fandom discourse and that is vital so Sorry about that. Um, But anyway, what I'm saying is, I think that by removing Raelle's character, you allow Scylla the chance to grow on her own without being confined to just the way that she is seen in relation to Raelle, because Raelle is automatically a character that we are supposed to love. She is one of the the three, she is one of the main ones. And so we look at her as someone who is automatically good. We look at her behavior as something that is, is right. And so therefore, we automatically kind of look at the stuff that is shady that Scylla is doing is automatically wrong. And one of the most important things in season two was that Tally kind of got to throw that notion on its head, not with Scylla, but with her own behavior. Um, so by removing Rael, you get to see Scylla come into her own as a character who is fighting for that love. Who is doing the right thing, who is basically telling Nicta to to go jump. Which, oh my God, the fight scene between Nicta and and Scylla was so long-coming, and I'm so glad that it happened. And I don't think it's over. But to see Tally and Abigail embrace Scylla because they know how much she is hurting and how much she is missing Rael was absolutely beautiful and it made me tear up i'm not even ashamed of it um it is it was a very powerful scene and it was it was coming full circle for those characters if you you know obviously you all remember that tally was the person who distrusted Scylla first she's the one who saw her as as a member of the spree and she's the one who saw her ironically um as a threat and turned her in and now, of course, Tally is palling around with the founder of the spree, which is a whole other ballgame. But we'll get to that. Um, so it's interesting to me now that they've come kind of full circle with Scylla as she's hunting for Raelle. And she's the one who's who's kind of growing. And we get to see her becoming a more actualized character. And that's important because members of the LGBT community want characters that are full characters we deserve characters that are full characters we deserve representation that is not just some kind of caricature of what someone thinks that a member of our community is supposed to look like so I'm really glad that we're getting to see for a thousand different reasons I'm glad that we're getting to see these different sides to these characters both good and bad we get to see the bad things that petra did but now we get to see the good things that she did we get to see the horrible things that Scylla did in great detail but now we get to see the humanity underneath what she's going through we get to see that with tally we're we're literally shown tally as this like epitome of sunshine and then she does this thing so dark really and we have to kind of come to terms with that and I know in, in the interim in between season two and season three, we all had, you know, um, fandom discussions and we had uh, fan fictions written about it. And we had podcasts and we had interviews and we had all of these things where we dissected what Tally did and kind of made our own reasons for them and tried to come to terms with it. And I think for me, all of that had a hard time balancing up against the fact that then she was just piling around with Nikta at the beginning of season three. And I get that she's trying to get Nick to to train her because she's trying to be prepared for what she knows is coming. And so for me, it kind of, the way I had to think about it, I had to think about it as Tally trying to make it make sense for herself. Um, If she did what she did, she had to have done it for a reason. She had to have done it in her own mind as a means of justification because this war is coming and for 300 years plus the Camarilla has been fighting with witches and killing witches and the way of doing things just wasn't working so for Tally it had to be a complete overhaul so for me she's now hitched her wagon sort of to Nictibetan and the revolution Right? It's not that this is Nick de Batan and the founder of the Spree. It's Nick de Batan symbolizing a revolution against what has always been the norm, which is interesting for Tally in and of itself because, you know, Tally was so excited to join the norm. We all know that Tally was so excited to join the norm because she idolized Sarah Alder and was very attracted to Sarah Alder. I think Jessica Sutton is very much like, uh, very open about that fact that Nikta used her sexual attraction for Alder to kind of piece together that whole hallucination that we saw her have in season two. Um, but anyway, so, so Tally's character, you know, she's, she's still trying to find her way. Um, we're seeing that up against another character in Scylla who is finding her way, and we're getting to see that kind of come together. And because of that, we get to see how much Tally hasn't found her way. And that's interesting. Um, it's also dangerous. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But let's also talk about what happened at the White House. So, okay. I know Elliot said in an interview that it was always hard to kill off a beloved character, but that sometimes the story called for it, and I'm paraphrasing here, the story called for it, and so I've just been sitting on pins and needles, and and we've kind of been sitting on pins and needles here, just waiting on what beloved character is going to get killed, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of them are not going to make it out of this alive, but we see M, and we see President Wade supposedly dead, Right. Well, we don't see M dead. We see President Wade supposedly dead. But I posit to you that none of that is real. I don't think any of it is real. Least of all, because of the fact that I don't think a plan of Anacostia's would fall apart so spectacularly and so quickly. Um, I think when Anacostia is talking about the fact that she hates this part, she hates the idea of waiting for the enemy to make the first move. They know the enemy's gonna make the move. They know it. I think when we see that explosion and we see it be pink and we see um, the mushrooms blooming everywhere, I think that's supposed to be a signal to us that that's not real. What we're seeing isn't real. That's the mycelium, right? So that's the witches having something at play. Or, I could be completely wrong. And that's just the mycelium going, nope, not going to kill this, witch. not going to do it. Um, I do not think that president Wade was there. I don't think that was president Wade. I think that is uh, either a push for people to see what they intended to see, or I think it is someone who is pretending to be her and taking her place. I don't think they're dead. I don't think um, Wade is dead, and I think that Anacostia and Sterling have been captured on purpose. That's my hope. I am sticking to that until proven otherwise, because, you know, in the in the preview, we get to see the um, the the vision of the double wedding, and who is presiding over the double wedding? President Wade is. Now, I'm going to come back to that double wedding in a little bit, because oh, when I talk about the danger of, of characters and not becoming fully actualized characters. I want to come back to this wedding because there's one person that is missing from that wedding and that's Tally. And that scares me given Tally's propensity to sacrifice herself. So, I'll come back to it, but just a little, mm, a little heads up. Okay. So you may hear my dog in here every now and then, by the way, she just shook her head. So sorry if you get to hear that, but that's just a little glimpse into the life. I am in my home office here recording this at this point in time. So, um, you may get to hear her. Uh, okay. Back to the White House thing. So, okay. The Camarilla people were in the White House. And another reason that I don't think that it actually happened the way that we are presented with that it happened was because they fucking were the camera crew again. Of course they were the camera crew. Is this the only disguise that they know how to do? Like, is this it? Do they just have one set of like bad guy disguises and it's just a TV crew? Of course they were the bad guys. (laughs) So I don't know how anyone could not automatically just be like, "Mm, did we vet that TV crew before coming into the White House since, you know, they played us the last time and took over Fort Salem basically and killed a bunch of people. We want to make sure that they are not the Camarilla. I kind of feel like the fact that they also knew that the chief of staff was also in on it with the Camarilla, kind of a big tell to me that they were expecting that attack. So I don't think that M is dead. I don't think that Wade is dead. I do think Anacostia and Sterling are in trouble, but I think they are in trouble intentionally. So we'll see. But I got to say, when we're talking about characters becoming self-actualized and obviously the, the best version of themselves that they can be and the most complete and whole version of themselves that they can be, we can't do that without talking about the most glaring, obvious one, and that's Nicta. So it's, it's interesting to me that they have intentionally chosen to have Nicta wear a different face for a large portion of the season so far. And I think that's not just because Nikta has been trying to get them to change their appearance, obviously. I I think that plays into it. But I think if you look at it on a deeper level, Nikta is showing that she's literally two faced. She's both good and bad. Now, that good, I think, objectively has gotten lost under all of the bad that she has done. But comparatively, If you think about it from a different perspective, the amount of quote-unquote bad that Nikta has done, is it really a lot more in any way comparable to the quote-unquote bad that maybe Alder has done? If, again, you're looking at it from a different perspective. I don't obviously believe that Alder is an evil character, but... She's been in power for 300 years and she has been doing the thing that she thinks is right for 300 years. She has been overlooking presidents and their wishes, which she should be doing. Let's be honest. She's looking out for which kind, but she's been doing it for so long that the lines of good versus evil have to be blurred. I mean, you've got to look at it. I was I was listening to um, a podcast with Lynn Renee the other day. And she was talking about how you have to kind of hold it up to a mirror and as an individual, as a character and say, what is evil for you? And what is evil about your motivations here? What is good about your motivations here? And that that's very interesting to kind of tear into. And I think that you have to apply that to Nikta as well. I mean, you've got to apply it to every one of them, but I think when you're applying it to Nikta and you look at the fact that she's literally wearing two faces, it's very interesting and telling. I think in this episode in particular, we're getting to see Nikta get to the point where she's about to go lone wolf again. I don't know that I believe Nikta's going to stick around the entire time. I think she's going to abandon them. Nikta is not used to being a team player. Um, I love, by the way, how the marshal called her out. I just absolutely, he just nailed it right on the head. You know, my dog is a better pack leader than you are. He called her out for not being a team player. And she is showing that over and over and over again. And you contrast that with Abigail, who is trying to be a leader and is telling Tally, stop spending so much time with her, stop being around her so much. And you can see the direct contrast between their two styles, right? Nikta is, well, you know, you might, you loved her. She tells Scylla, well, you loved her. And you got to have some good time with her. So let's go. We got to go. And that's, you know, she's, that's, that's going to carry over. She's going to abandon them, I feel like, guys. I I really do. Um, Now, because I think this season is all about becoming and embracing both sides of yourself and becoming the full person, I don't think she's going to abandon them forever. I think she's going to come back. But I don't know that I believe Nykta's getting out of this season alive, truthfully. I think Nykta may sacrifice herself, in some glorious, nicked away, um, I think it'll be big and explosiony and you know martyry the way that she wants. I think, and that <sighs> that kind of brings us back to Tally, but I'll, I'll, I'll get there again. I know I keep putting it off. I don't want to talk about it. I keep putting it off. Um, instead, let's talk a little bit about Alder and Kalida. Because I know I can't be the only person, and I know I'm not the only person here, but I know I can't be the only person who is excited to see Alder and Kalita working together. I did not think that I would be so excited about this, but I truly, truly am. Um, of course Alder is a steward of a piece of the first song. Of course she is. Think about it. She released a song so powerful when her sister was killed that it frightened everyone into basically stopping the witch hunts um she did something that powerful except for the cameria of course who were just assholes the entire time and that's putting it lightly i i completely know that that's putting it lightly um but she also uh, she sang a song that that created the mycelium of course she is a steward of the most powerful thing in in the the folklore in in the thing in the in the uh, a piece of the lore that gave the ability for speech to humankind. Of course, she is a steward of one of those. Of course, Kalita is a steward of another. Of course, they were going to have conflict in season one. We didn't know any of this stuff in season one, but Kalita was very insistent on not giving Alder their songs because she would use them for war. But if you also remember in season one, and this is one of the reasons why. I've had a theory running for two seasons that Alder is actually of the Tureen blood. Now I'm not so sure. Um, Now I think it's going to tie more into this first song thing. But when at the Hague, when they lift the lid off of that um, box, basically that contains the song that none of them know, it's only Alder who responds to it. It's only her who has an emotional reaction. And she tells them that she knows the song, that it's in her blood and then at the end of season 2 when we see her creating the mycelium her song of grief sounds remarkably similar to that song that comes out of that music box it also sounds very similar to the song that the six sisters sang to bring language to humanity so of course all of this is being set up because these writers are amazing and the creator is amazing and and brilliant and has laid all of this out in the beginning. So it's interesting to see this play out. So I'm very excited to see these two massively powerful witches finally kind of work together. And I just thought it was beautiful how quickly the way that they looked at each other changed from distrust to to trusting and talking to each other with only looks and... Having plans together that the others aren't involved in, and I, I just I thought it was great, and I can't wait to see more of that. I hope we really do get to see more of that. Yeah, um, yeah. So okay, we're done with all the other stuff. Here we go. <laughs> We've got to talk about Taldor. Um. Wow, it's uh, holy wow is is all I can say. The reunion between those two characters was absolutely everything that we wanted here and then more than than what we wanted really I mean it it wouldn't give us all we wanted we all wanted one of them pushed up against the side of that trailer let's be honest some of us even talked about the fact that oh it looked like Tally was going to give Alder a lap dance there for a little bit and I gotta say um Uh, You know, we wouldn't have been against it. It would have been fine. Uh, But, uh, you know, realistically, I think when Tally was asked by Abigail to look for Kalita, Tally, in my mind, saw Alder in the background. I think I saw Alder in the background, actually. Um, And we rewound it and watched multiple times just to see. But I think when she's watching it, she's talking about she can only see her own future which is also very telling and I'm going to come back to when we're talking about the sacrifice here in, in a little bit. Um, she can only see her own future, right? So she has to be there in order to, to kind of experience the thing that she's going to see. So, okay, so she's looking around, she's seeing people. There's a moment when she's looking at Abigail in, in the vision and outside of the vision, she just goes slap her face falls. She's shocked. And she never recovers from that shock. When they lead her away, after she tells them, oh my God, I saw Kalita, right? She's still shocked before they lead her away. Go back and watch that scene again. And I want to know what you think. I want to know because for me, she saw Alder in that vision And she couldn't figure out how in the hell she was seeing her. Which makes me wonder has she been seeing her in dreams? Has she been seeing her in, you know, her thoughts? Um, How much has Tally been seeing her? And are we gonna ever know that? I don't know. Can we take a minute? And appreciate Sarah Alder in civilian clothing, please. She's going to have a moment of silence or whatever sound you hear my dogs making. Okay. Um, holy shit. <laughs> also, uh, just to, to say, I, I did notice the white hair at the bottom of her hair the white there, and uh, clearly, I think we're supposed to obviously understand that that means that there's something wrong with the mycelium, and um, that's bleeding over into her. I think that her being sick also is supposed to show that, but, you know, someone here did mention um, that would have been around the time that Anacostia was taken, that Alder kind of had that reaction, so, you know, there is a there is a question of, is maybe there a connection there? Don't know. What I do know is that Tally Craven is incapable of keeping her hands off of Sarah Alder in this episode. And I am here for it. I love it so much. I love Alder being Sarah. I love Sarah being human. And I would watch a series of Seven seasons of the two of them fighting crime together and solving mysteries. I swear to God, I would, with everything in me, watch that every single day. When she brought over drinks to everyone, number one, she knew they were coming. So how did that happen? Did she really connect with Tally in that vision? These are things I want to know. When she brought those drinks over and she handed one to Tally and Tally was just like in shock. Uh, No, I'm good. Right. I I can't. And she just says, suit yourself and turns and downs both of those shots. Oh my God. But that does not compare. It doesn't compare to the nachos. You guys, when they brought the nachos to her, think about this. I want you to think about this. This is a woman who has not eaten in like 300 years. This is a woman who hasn't gotten to enjoy alcohol. She drank a whole lot, but think about why she drank a whole lot. Because it was being spread out over seven other women. And she's the general of the armed forces and has lived a traumatic life for 300 years. So, yeah, she drank a lot, but she never got to enjoy it, I don't think. Here she's seen downing these shots and she's enjoying it. And then she gets to eat. She gets to eat the nachos, and what does she do? She puts one in her mouth, and she moans. And Tally Craven, <laughs> Tally Craven's face is absolutely priceless. She is just staring at her like a person looking at a mirage in a desert of an oasis. Um, it's Abigail who, who even, like... Pipes up and says, well, that's new, right? Because everyone looks uncomfortable with this sound that Alder is making, except for Tally, whose eyes suddenly just like go all over her, whose hand will not stop touching her. And then what does Sarah do? She offers the first food that she's able to enjoy in 300 years. She offers to share it with Tally. She tells her, if you don't try this, you may regret it. I don't know, man. That's like some, that's a double entendre if I've ever heard it. I'm not even going to lie to you. If you don't try this, you may regret it. Like, yeah, I think you might, Tally. You might just want to go ahead and try it. Just saying. Um, my also favorite favorite moment is when Tally just keeps asking the questions and she just turns to her and says, shh, like, holy, holy moly, (laughs) I gotta tell you, um, the writers who are writing this know about seduction, and I know that may seem strange, okay, but I have seen, I have personally been witness to, and in my younger days, uh, a couple of decades ago, I have um, maybe personally utilized such tactics to um, pick up a person, pick up a woman in, in, a, in a bar. I mean, I'm not even going to lie to you. These kinds of things, um, that when I was watching that, that is something we were talking about here at the podcast when we were watching that. It seemed like something out of bound, you know, Um it it seemed like something out of a, a movie from the nineties. And when we were really exploring like the underground aspect of lesbian culture, this moaning as you're eating this drink, this, this, you know, I'm going to enjoy this song. Shh, be quiet kind of thing. It's laying it on a little thick. And, um, I think that was intentional, very much intentional. Alder likes to see Tally squirm, um, and I think Sarah likes to see Tally squirm as well. Uh, it, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's absolutely lovely to me. I love the way she goes and she sits down and she kind of ignores Tally, which she knows Tally cannot stand. Cannot stand it. She kind of ignores her. And then um, Tally's working up the courage to go say something to her. If you watch that scene closely where Alder is sitting and she's getting ready to watch Elaine singing, and she kind of looks over and nods at Kalita. And Tally is behind her. And she's working up the courage, right? You see her kind of take a step and she's going to go say something. And then she gets pulled into the lowered inhibition uh, work of the song, of the, the bastardized song that Kalita and and Sarah are there for. And I have to tell you, I'm not even going to lie, yes, I absolutely 100% believed that that Tally was like, okay, well, she won't tell me things by this way. I'm just going to dance in front of her. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of that at all. I thought that's what was happening. And I squealed so loud. and I was not the only one who did. But, uh, yeah, I really thought that's what was going to happen. And I wish to goodness that they would have lingered on Alder's face just a little bit more so that we could have seen her eyes shift to Tally as she kind of walked by dancing. However, there's some amazing things in that scene in and of itself. Watch Sarah Alder when she hears Tally's jacket hit the ground behind her. Watch her face. Watch how she swallows. Watch how her jaw ticks. She hears it. She knows what's going on. When Tally is over dancing with Abigail and Abigail is telling her, oh my gosh, it's been so long since you've had your your witch's mark shined, right? Um, There's gotta be a worthy specimen in here. Tally doesn't look around the bar. She looks in one place, one place pretty much only. And then as soon as she comes out of that trance, She looks over and says, where's Alder? So, you know, um, for me, that was just she was staring at Sarah Alder the entire time. Of course she was. That's Tally's greatest desire. But someone made a point. We had an ask about this on the Tumblr page, and it was a fantastic ask. Why on earth would you show Tally's Witch's Mark and make a point to display it again and talk about how it hasn't been shined in so long if you don't plan on coming back to that? I mean, Motherland, Fort Salem is not a show that is known for making subtle references for no reason whatsoever. So why do that? Why do it? Because I think it's going to be shown again. I think it's coming back. I don't know that we'll ever get to see Tally and Alder have scenes like we get to see Raíl and Scylla have scenes, which are amazing and beautiful and lovely, but I think we might get real close. I think we might get the um, real close tension in the air, kind of lean down maybe, staring at each other. And I think it'll go somewhere else. And then I think later on, we're going to see Tally's Witch's Mark again. And someone's going to comment on the fact that it's shiny. And I think we're going to be left to our own interpretation. I hope not. I hope with everything in me that they will straight up give us Talder, because both Lynn Renee and both Jessica Sutton are team Talder. I mean, they're both for it. Freeform pushes it. So I kind of feel like maybe we're gonna get it. I wholeheartedly believe that it's canon, let's be honest. But I feel like we we may get it. Um that le that leaves us to the moment where Tally goes running over to Alder and she's like, You gotta tell me what's going on right now, right? And you see that brief moment on Sarah's face where she's just like, Well, this is familiar, right? <laughs> this is this is what she does. Uh she demands answers from me. But then she does something that leaves Tally completely gobsmacked and she says, All right. Okay, let's go talk to Elaine. And Tally is just what? You're gonna you're gonna tell me? And then the after you and the shocked, okay. Thanks. Like, Tally tries so hard to play it cool, and she just can't. And I love her for it so much, but she just cannot do it. And then they're outside, and I got to tell you, I'm not, I, I would watch, I would watch movies. I would watch entire series of episodes about the two of them with this delicious tension just out on quests together. I would just do it. The way that they fell back into trusting each other, the way that Alder stopped keeping secrets from from Tally, the way that Tally could read Sarah's face suddenly, the way that Sarah couldn't stop her emotions from showing on her face, the way that all of that played out so quickly was beautiful and a testament to that relationship. When Tally asks Sarah well, what does that mean for Ray? Is she going to be okay? And Alder kind of bucks up a little bit, right? Sarah kind of bucks up a little bit. And she says, well, if it's the mother's will. And I love Tally's response. Tally's response is, that's all I get. That is what I get from you, right? That's all I get. And think about that. Tally is saying, that is all you, Sarah Alder, are going to give me Tally Craven. This is a a war college cadet, right? And the general of the armed forces. But it's not in that moment, is it? It's Tally and Sarah. And that connection is still there and they both damn well know it. And so Tally's demand of that's all I'm going to get is important. But then Sarah's acquiescence, Sarah saying right afterwards, the truth, that dropping of that face that she kind of put on. And she says the truth. She says, she doesn't tell me everything. That was massively important for them. What a step that was. And even... Tally acknowledged that, and then when she tells her you know she acknowledges it, and you know she she accepts it because she tells her immediately the important thing, right she tells her the big thing the camera are also looking for this first song, and that ups the ante right she it, it, she's believed that Alder has changed she's believed that Sarah is different, she can see it in her and when she turns around and Sarah has hit the wall and she immediately says, are you all right? And reaches for her. That was a heartbreaking moment, you guys. And it was heartbreaking for a couple of reasons because the look on Sarah's face when she's looking at her and, and she says, you know, great work. Thank you. Um, That is a look of, a woman who knows that she's not the one in control. That's the look of someone who is actively trusting the individual who is with them. They're on a level playing field at this moment. But it's also the look of someone who's afraid. Because in the very next second, you know, Abigail screams for her and Tally goes running. And the look on Sarah's face at that point is a little devastating. And you could take it a couple of ways, right? You can take it as, well, I didn't get the piece of the song that I needed, but also she just left me here. And that broke my heart a little bit. Um, it, was, it was actually quite sad. Kind of just as sad as, as, sorry, Tally coming running back in and saying, Alder, what do we do? Mind you, the use of that name is important okay, I think that Alder is going to change to Sarah pretty quickly from Tally's mouth. But notice what Tally did. She didn't put it back down, which thankfully she didn't because the Camarilla came in there, obviously. But she looked at that song and she put it in her pocket because she knows that wherever Alder went, she will come back. And that is a piece of trust that these characters haven't had in a while, and all of that entire exchange was just amazing, and it warranted like six different watchthroughs, and which all happened. And um, it wow, just whoo, I can't wait to see what happens next. Um, but in a way, I can, and I'm a little afraid of what's going to happen next because um. Tally can only see what is going on with her sight in the future when it pertains to her. Right? She says that outright. Um, she's pushing herself in this next um, preview to see farther than she ever has, and she sees Rayle in danger. And I think it's going to tie into when she says she, from the from the season preview that she saw something terrible. And I think I think Rael is meant this is just this is just my opinion. Okay, this is my thought and my prediction, and goodness, goddess knows I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again, but this is my thought. I think Raelle is meant to die. I think maybe Sarah is too. They're intrinsically tied to the mycelium. So, I think that obviously them being in danger is something that's gonna make Tally move Rael maybe more outwardly than than Sarah, but Tally has this propensity to sacrifice herself. We've seen it time and time again. we know it's happened. she's done it every single season. And the one person that we don't see in the wedding vision is Tally. We don't see her there. Now, is that because she's in a chair watching the events, hopefully next to Sarah Alder? I don't know. Is it because she has sacrificed herself as in character for her to? I don't know. I fear that that's going to be the case because that is, that's what, Tally does. She sacrifices herself for people that she cares about. And she sacrifices herself for something bigger than herself. And Tally's off that path right now. And so when I talk earlier about people coming full circle and kind of self actualizing, it's important and scary in this regard because I think Tally has to go through this thing that she's going through right now where she is doing things that are kind of nebulous and we don't um, we don't really understand why her pull is towards Nikta um, except that she thinks she's doing something right for the greater good. So once that plays out, she's got to come back full circle. And that full circle, I fear, is going to be sacrifice. And then I think about, you know, Elliot talking about killing a beloved character and I'm just like, who is more beloved on Motherland for Salem than Tally Craven? I don't, I don't even know, honestly. Um, like I said, she is just a puppy dog and sunshine and rainbows all wrapped up into one. And it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think about. But I do. I mean, you have to. You have to think about that in this regard because it's entirely possible that that's the way that it could shake out. Now, my one hope would be that if she does sacrifice herself, it is because she knows that she's going to go be with Sarah Alder. Um, because if she sacrifices herself for Ray, then in essence, she could take her place, right? That's kind of what she's done. So in that regard, she could technically go be with Sarah Alder in the mycelium. It's not the ending I want for Talder. It's not the ending I'm reading for by any means whatsoever. But it is something that I'm already preparing for because um, I just, you know, prepare for the worst. I'm hoping that's not what the case is but I'm preparing for it. What I want to have happen. I want the mycelium to be healed. I want witches to have a choice. I want the accords to be broken. I want them to be able to choose. I want them to be safe uh, wherever they go. I want Sarah Alder to be given a life as a human being. I want her to be able to experience it and and have joy. And I want her to have love with Tally. I think that Tally Craven is her the other half of her. I wholeheartedly believe that. I know it's interesting that the biggest love story, the main love story on this show is Rael and Scylla. Um, then you have Abigail and Adil afterwards. But for me, the biggest love story on the show is. Alder and and Tally Craven, it's this one person who's only ever been interested in knowing Sarah, right? From the main beginning, everyone's kind of ignoring this story of Sarah Alder in Salem Town, and Tally is there enraptured watching it. You get the parallel in season one where Sarah is bending down talking to the fosterlings, and then you've got Tally in Salem Town bending down and talking to the young girl I think we're intentionally shown. Um, you've got. We talked about this before on the on the, the Tumblr page that you've got the color contrast in between the three different couples. And when I say three different couples, I am including Tally and Alder as as one of those couples, um, even if they may not be canon on screen yet. Uh, I I think they are personally, and I know a lot of you think they are as well. But um, you know, you you get the warm versus the cool lighting and all of that is intentional every single thing about the framing of a shot the way that it's lit the the way that people look at each other the clothing that is every single thing is intentional and so when they show you know Sarah and Tally even falling because they've gotten shot in the side of the neck in the same way in season 1 it was in the Tarim Basin and um and then in season 2 Tally in the session when um Rayelle is taken by the Camarilla. Those two, it's the exact same way. They fall the same way. They're holding their neck in the same way. I mean, these things are intentional. And so when you're mirroring those characters like that, there's a reason for it. We are supposed to be seeing the way that they are equal to each other, the way that they are mirroring each other. And you had to have a grand fall of the general who was not able to love who was not able to have feelings who was not able to open herself up you had to have a grand fall because that power dynamic was so large that that could not happen but that's all gone now and so we're left with these two characters who are kind of mirror images of each other right they're 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 deeply invested and interested and cor- uh, connected to each other excuse me and it's kind of beautiful to watch that interplay. And it's kind of beautiful to see that tension and its delicious tension. And I know that there is tension between Scylla and Riel, but I mean, really at this point, Scylla and Rael and Adil and Abigail are both just married, right? I mean, we see that. We see that in, in their relationships. They have found their person. And so we're still watching Tally try to come to terms with finding hers. And we're still watching Tally's person try to come to terms with finding hers. And it's hard because there's this world-ending thing that they have to do. And I just want, for once, these characters to all have their happy ending. And I know that Elliot said that the world is basically shit right now and everybody wants a happy ending and that he is happy to provide that. So here's hoping. Here's hoping everyone that we get Rayella to be, you know, married. We get Adigail to be married. We get Talder going off into the sunset together and being happy together. Let's let's see it. Let's hope for it. Let's push it. Let's keep pushing these initiatives. I want you guys really. I'm inviting you to to um, to send us. Your your thoughts on these shows? I'd love to engage with you on, on Tumblr with this. Uh, I just want to know. Send me emails. Talk to me. Send me asks. Do all kinds of stuff. Uh, you guys are the most amazing fandom, and I, I have to say I've got to give a shout out to, um, to to Swan Queen Granger who is writing um, no other shade of blue but you, and I and 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 she took that on. <laughs> uh, she took that on, and because. I I had like this this idea, this this image and and this this moment of talking about, you know, Tally and Sarah and this daughter that they have, and you know, the dynamic of maybe the new general alder actually being Tally and and this kid. And I just had this image in my mind and I just kept talking about it. And then this story came to be, and I I'm in love and I cannot wait for Amelia to be born. I am on a roller coaster of emotion. So I just want to say thank you to Swan Queen Granger. And I hope that you get to feeling better soon. I know that you've been dealing with a lot of uh, medical stuff and, um, you know, we love you here and we are, are all here for you. And so, um... You guys, go check it out. Go read it. Go give it some likes. Go give it some love. Um, it's an amazing story. It is. It is phenomenal. And um, send us your stories. Send us your recommendations. We want to read. We want to get back into reading stories and get back into engaging and talking with um, fan fiction authors and such. I think. I think this is the. I think this is the grand time for fan fiction. I think this is the big time for fandom, and it's been very. Um, it's been very awesome for me to watch it. Kind of. Um, come to life i you know i've been engaged with fandom for over 20 years and um it's been there you know the entire time but to see it grow and to see these big swells and to see how fandom is making changes in real life with shows um it's something amazing so let's keep doing it let's keep pushing i want to hear you guys talk to me about why these shows mean something to you batwoman motherland fort salem Legends of Tomorrow, which I can do a whole episode on Legends of Tomorrow and Avalanche, and I and I probably will, um, but I want to hear from you. So, you know, drop me a snippet, send it to the email, um, send us something on Tumblr. If you don't want to record something, send it on Tumblr uh, and, and we'll read it. Just Just something. I want to get your voices out there. I want people to know. I want to put it all in one spot as why is this so important? Because I think if Motherland Fort Salem teaches us anything, is that we are stronger together. And stay tuned, because we're really going to be pushing these initiatives. And I'm really looking to um, get some, some big names on and uh, to get some more people to come on and talk to us here about why this is so important, why these things are, are so vastly um, necessary, and why now? What is it about this moment in time that makes this so incredibly necessary for us to do? So, you know, we're we're going to be doing a whole lot. And we will see you next week for another recap and reaction uh to another episode of Motherland Fort Salem. All right. Take care everyone. Bye-bye.